and welcome to another episode of Such a Nightmare, Conversations About Horror. My name is Catherine Troyer, and I'm so delighted to be joined by Tony Tresca. Hey there. This is a podcast where the horrifically nerdy meets the terrifyingly academic, as we explore that fine line between the horrific and the horrible. Each episode looks at a specific horror text that is, for better or worse, giving us nightmares. And we are so excited to have you join us today for our conversation over 2021's My Heart is a Chainsaw. So this is a novel by Stephen Graham Jones and I I love it when we do our novel episodes. Me too. I know why we why we can't really do them with the frequency of, of watching a film, right? Uh, it does take a, a tad bit longer to read Just an entire novel than it does to watch a, an hour and a half, two hour film. <laughs> if you can believe it. No, I can't. <laughs> it also makes me feel a little bit more overwhelmed because it, there's so much more to talk about, but we're still doing it in that same sort of 45, 50 minute uh, window. There's a lot happening in this novel. So, Tony, would you be willing to give a brief summary for those that may have read it a little while ago? Or never read it at all. Uh, although, if you haven't read it... You should stop listening, go read it, and then come back. Yeah, because our conversation, we are going to spoil the entire thing. <laughs> but here is uh, that brief summary, just as a recap. My Heart is a Chainsaw is set in Proof Rock, Idaho, a small town in the upper northwest, uh, and it follows Jade Daniels, who is a Native American young woman who is still in high school here, who is a huge fan of hardcore 80s slasher films. Um, and she believes that a slasher is coming to her hometown of Proof Rock. She's noticed, she knows this because all the telltale signs of a slasher start magically appearing around her community again and she becomes convinced that the slasher cycle has started and is now trying to convince other prominent members within her town to do something about it before it's too late to stop the slasher bum, bum, bum. this novel reminded me of why it is so important to be making sure that we keep talking about all types of horror because it's just, it's doing the things that we need to be doing and we're not always able to do in film. And that is really creating horror that is complex, that is inclusive, that is representative without being just sort of like, oh, but we had a person who was X in our film, so we're okay. Mm -hmm. I think horror novels are really a lot of places where People who are interested in horror go to work out ideas and questions that they have about the horror genre and the state of the genre. And Stephen Granham Jones has been pretty consistently questioning, critiquing, and pushing forward the horror genre into a new generation pretty effectively now for the past several years. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a prolific author Gosh, who's he is. Like leading that conversation. And, and the characters <laughs> he's creating... And the characters that, that other horror authors, like, that we've talked about a lot in this podcast, you know, Grady Hendrix, Paul Tremblay, they are giving us characters that we may now be able to get to see on screen if they adapt these stories, but that wouldn't normally find their place. Like, and Jade Daniels is a good example, right? If you were to say, we're going to make a film... And it's going to be horror and it's going to be a little bit comedy. So it's not going to be drama and she's going to be suicidal for a good chunk of it. I think almost every studio would pass on that, but put that in a novel and you're like, that is the, the book for me. That's where I want to find out what's going on. And you haven't even added in the, the other thing that would be a burden for Hollywood is that at least like 65 to 70% of the cast would also need to be indigenous or native american yes because there's so much stephen grand jones himself is uh an indigenous and native american uh here and in the united states and so he puts those issues in his book and he gives a, a lot of these characters in here come from that background and that is just such a refreshing thing to get to read and examine from someone who himself is so in that is in that community 
And she, the character of Jade Daniels, is also poor. She's the victim or the survivor of, of incest. And horror loves loves itself some good incest. Horror films have always been like, but what if the poltergeist was because of... But, but that's not what Graham Jones is doing, right? He's like, let's just talk about the tragedy that is the fact that this is a statistic at all, let alone a statistic that is higher, as he talks about in his acknowledgement section uh, in the indigenous community. So there's just so much about this book that I'm like, of course this needs to be in the horror canon, but that just couldn't have been articulated by a different author, let alone in a sort of Blumhouse production film. I certainly, this would not be, I don't think could be made into a Blumhouse film. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to see it though. Like, I want to know. I want to know what it would look you like. You want to see the like, kind of like sloppy, yes. sl- sl- just like leaning into yes. the like crazy, yes. just slasher elements yes. from this. Removing all the uh, elements of like, of intersectionality yes. and all of that stuff just to get right to the yes. meat of it. But I want to watch them the them try and be like, I bet we could do intersectionality. And you're like, interesting. Like, I want to I want to be there for that journey. <laughs> but you're but you're so right that that this character is is so rich and deep and and complex. Mm-hmm. I just really love yet again, this is another novel that gets to, that is playing with like structure and form and is giving us really interesting ways in that we're that we're given information about this central character i think my favorite part of the novel is certainly the essays that jade Wright is writing for her history teacher um that we're at at, for the first like two-thirds of the book we're treated to them at the end of every single chapter and it feels just like a how-to guide for the slashers. It, it, if you, like, straight up, if you just, if you, even if you don't read the book, I would recommend just going through and penning through those essays at the end of each chapter because they, they're in, like, two to three pages and they are just a crash course on many concepts within the horror world and they give you such fascinating insight into what scares Jade because it's used... It's using those horror tropes that we all acknowledge and we're like, oh, yes, larger. These tropes are definitely there. And that is what makes it scary. But then it's also like and she's a child talking about this and she's saying some things in here and offering some opinions about some of this stuff that you're like, oh, this is not just you talking theoretically and abstract. These are your real fears. You're like very scared of this stuff. I appreciate hearing you talk about those sections because... You're correct that it not only is informative, it not only lets us know that Graham Jones clearly knows what he's talking about, but it also provides an incredible insight into Jade because she's she's writing this as much as a diary as she is an, an extra credit assignment. But to be honest, I struggled sometimes with those sections, not because they weren't really important. And I love ephemera. I love the stuff in between the narrative, but because I had like all these flashbacks to grading because one of the things that that is really well done in those essays is that graham jones has clearly read a lot of uh not so maybe great (laughs) essays from students before and the sort of Uh like somewhat of a thesis but also not a thesis but then tangents and like random capitalization like all of it he put all of it in there and and i think that was some of the most authentic moments because Clearly, Graham Jones was never a teenage girl, but Graham Jones was a young horror writer, was a young writer who didn't know how to maybe write at first, right? We all start there. And he also is someone that reads a lot of student stuff. And that felt in some ways the most authentic of the the novel because you could tell it was him and all of his sort of forms coming to, to shine. And so they're, they're really great, but I, I struggled because I was like, please, <laughs> I have to do this like every day. Please don't make me do this. Did you just want to take out like a red pen and start marking up the book itself the inside? Of it? I didn't because I don't like to mark things up. What I wanted to do was just put it down and just, ah. which is my actual response sometimes to to grading is I just want to like lay it down and close my eyes. So I guess to any of our former students who are listening to this podcast, I'm at some point sorry. I at some point I pick it back up and 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 let's just assume if you're a student listening to this that you're not the student I'm talking about, right? (laughs) I think that those essays told me everything I needed to know about Jade. Like you said, what fear she had, 
but also the fact that she's really smart, but she hasn't had many opportunities to, to, you know, go out. And so there was so much packed into what was probably only, what, 75 pages maybe total of the book? Maybe? Maybe. They start a little bit longer, but then as we're kind of given the impression uh, from the writings themselves, we're told that Jade's teacher tells her that she has to shorten yes. them to two pages because she's just so wordy and will just keep writing, which I personally can relate to as someone who, when I first brought my writing to you, um, I was wordy as hell. So I... This was wordy writer representation in a way that I really felt, uh, I felt really represented. And and I'll tell you that, (laughs) that like, I was just passing on the gift that keeps on giving, right? So someday I will expect you to find someone else who's, who's very clever and bright and be like, you're not as clever and bright at 18 as you think you are. Because I had the professor that was like, what if we didn't do the five paragraph model? And I was like, oh interesting so you know it's it is it's the gift that keeps on giving but you're right that like Mm -hmm. there's these moments where jade will say like uh i I decided to go ahead and write an extra paid page feel free to give me even more extra credit you know and just the fact that all of these are for extra credit also is is kind of again it just shows so much about jade that that's the best part for me of this book and that's the part that i think is the reason that i will always say we should be engaging with horror fiction as much as we do horror film. And that is the ability to get to see into the psyche of our characters to understand what it means to be a horror fan, which is complicated and and messy. And I didn't really like Jade. She's not very likable all the time. She's prickly. But at the same time, I wanted to like her because I saw myself in her right and and not to the degree I was never gothy. I was never sort of ostracized. In fact, I really didn't sort sort of start embracing my my love of horror until college but nevertheless that like should i like horror does it make me weird it does make me weird am i okay with it that whole like discussion that jade is constantly having felt very affirming right like like you said i saw myself yeah. and i i was happy to get to see myself i love personally me i i'm not i love character main characters that are kind of a little bit unlikable you, this is a thing that you and i have talked about just personal taste i have a much higher tolerance i think for unlikable characters than you than you uh, and so jade is exactly my cup of was my cup of tea i i just really loved her and i think it would be hard to really make her a like likable in quotations whatever whatever that means because she so clearly doesn't like herself and doesn't like the world that she lives in that of course she is just a little menace to society and everyone she interacts with. She is in so much pain and has just been abandoned by her, well, not totally abandoned, but she feels abandoned because she's been so consistently let down by the town of Proofrock and so many of the people within it. And so many people who are within her, not only those outsiders, like the people who come from uh, in, or now developing Terra Nova, but also people within her own community and her own family. She's been consistently let down. So Jade is a fascinating character whom I, I really bought into and found myself really invested in her character uh, struggles and arc throughout the book. And I, I, I think she's probably, she was the best part of the whole novel. I Getting, agree interest in her into her mind the truth is is that we we need her to be prickly and to be someone that you like sort of despite themselves because she is in every way that matters the the final girl and the final girl has traditionally been white cute and lovable Right. And and middle to wealthy class and, you know, always has the, the romantic interest. And you look at that character and you're like, well, of course, I'd want to be friends with so and so. And, you know, like, of course, she's the one that everyone wants to save or, or whatever it might be. And even if they're not that, even if, if they're like lower class in terms of socioeconomic class or they are a little prickly on the outside time and again it's like but once you crack that shell and and there is no cracking at the shell right jade is is a bitter taste from start to finish but so what why can't that be the person that we are are understanding horror from why does it have to be that sort of privileged idea of of the final girl that we get elsewhere and i would also say another thing about most final girls that we have historically aside for i guess 
any that are set after the event, any of the sequels to uh, horror things or um, Scream. But most of the horror films, the final girls have not yet been traumatized. We're see the events of the novel or the horror text itself or the film or the horror text itself. That is where the trauma happens and lies. But with Jade, we're already witnessing a person who has been thoroughly traumatized and beaten down by world and then still has to, despite already being traumatized, endure more trauma and then come from that. And she actually says, right, she says, that's how we knew Letha is is supposed to be the final girl because she's pristine exactly. and she's had a quote trauma and that she has a stepmom. But, you know, uh, Jade is like, but that's not going to be enough to make her be less than pure so that when she begins to discover the bodies, then, you know, she can be shocked and then there'll be the moment of um, metamorphosis, right? And then she'll emerge this hardened warrior. And, and Jade is so determined that the reason she can never be a final girl is because she's been quote, contaminated, right? She's been broken already. What a devastating concept that you can't even imagine yourself as, as the main character of your story because you feel that you have been ruined for a horror film, that you're too broken for horror. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because Jade really does fancy herself as being too broken for horror, doesn't she? She's a, that, which is why she's able to talk or presents as being so only thinking of horror from this like theoretical and tropey angle. She's like, it doesn't scare me anymore. It doesn't matter. I've already, I've already lived through so much worse than this, and I've, I've already had my horror story. So I can now talk as the expert on horror because I've already, it's already happened to me. I'm done. I've moved on. Now it's time to see other. And she, I, it's, it is so super interesting reading a person who is so fascinated and excited by the possibility of other horrors being, being enacted on other people, despite the fact that she herself is so traumatized and has had so many horrors happen to her and it has not been good, to then see a character who at least initially is like, and I hope that happens to other people and I'm excited for but it. But I think the difference for her is that the horror that she's envisioning happening to proof rock is the the horror of the slasher which is a very cleansing type of horror right at the end of at the end of a slasher film you should not feel icky and and you should not feel like you should not feel that the world is disaffirmative right you should feel like at the end of a slasher film that but it's okay because at the end of the day, love triumphs and the police force that didn't manage to be there all along has finally gotten their act together in the final four minutes. And the final girl has been affected, but she's not contaminated to her core, right? Cause she's still the, she still shines through. And, and so Jade, right. I think for Jade, she doesn't, want the horror that she's experienced to happen. She wants the cleansing type of horror that she thinks is, is possible so that it weirdly enough, even though she's like, sorry, some of you will have to die. She, she's not meaning it in this like mean way. She's just like, but that them's the breaks. Yeah. Right. And, and that's interesting. It's so matter. of Yes. Fact. Because right. the world is horror. So why wouldn't there be more horror? Exactly. And that can only come from a no a new type of character in the horror world. Like Jade, like we've, we've already talked about this, but it's only because Jade is from this lower socioeconomic group, from a marginalized group of a Native American and the indigenous community, another marginalized group of she is a woman and she is a young person who doesn't have a lot of agency. So yeah, of course she would just default to life is horror, but it might as well be the moralizing kind of horror. If people are going to die, it might as well be the people who, quote unquote, deserve it. Yes, because the traditional slasher film model, right, is is very affirmative in that there is a reason for everything. There is there's such a, an element of cause and effect. And it's not always a cause and effect that works in the real world, right? Like, have sex, you will get stabbed, like... That doesn't, you're not, that's not something I've ever particularly worried about in real life, but in the slasher. Yeah. I can't say that's happened. Uh, that that hasn't ha happened to you this hasn't happened to a ton of, um, hasn't happened to a ton of people who I know right, either. Where you're like, oh, sorry that you're going to be killed later, you know, but like, but there's such a cause and effect, whereas you're so right that nothing in Jade's life has, has made sense. 
There is never, ever, ever, ever anything that is the cause for why you can be like, and of course, then you had to be the survivor of incest, right? Like, that's never, that's never a thing, right? Or uh, so, of course, you had to be from a lower socioeconomic class. And so I think for Jade, she's struggling so hard to find the logic and something that is illogical. And so she has to, she's retreating into this fantasy world of a, and this, where everything does play by this narrative and there are so clearly rules that she can retreat into because without that she really has lost all other ways to ground herself in in this world and honestly why would she want to ground herself in this world it doesn't seem like proof rock has given jade a lot of confidence in the world that has been created and rather than do anything about that to really address those problems jade sees that people are actually moving to proof rock to continue developing and expanding on what has happened here. So I see where Jade is coming from in a lot of ways. And it's not just her father, right? That's that's the problem. It's also the sheriff who's like, I'm sorry I didn't notice this. I probably should have. It's Mr. Holmes who was so busy being on the cusp of retirement that he, you know, didn't have the strength to to care as much as, as Jade needed. And one of the things that annoyed me in reading the novel, but that I actually really appreciate in retrospect is is the fact that at every given moment, Jade's going to just open her mouth and, and share things about horror. And, and sometimes I was like, dude, calm yourself. Like, you know, when she's like meeting the construction workers and she's like, let me tell you some things. And I'm like, this is this is so, <laughs> so very different from how I would behave that it, it was, you know, kind of painful to read. But what she's doing is she's shouting again and again her truth. Right. And 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 her story which is a story of of needing to be saved in a world that doesn't offer saving because it doesn't have rules that you can abide by and i and i think she keeps going back into that horror because for so often and with so many survivors it's difficult to be believed and so you she is and she's so she is just constantly telling everyone the world we live in is horrific and bad things can happen and what is not being said is because bad things have happened to me so consistently throughout my life. But that is the subtext of of that. And you don't get that at first either. At first, you're just like, oh my gosh, maybe Jade, maybe you should not be just like monologuing and just dropping so many of these references literally every single time you're given the chance. But it's just like, she's not been believed in any other aspect of her life. And this is the only way that she can successfully articulate the horrors of the world and get people to believe her. So in some way, even if they are just believing her about in what they think is horror fiction, it's the only way to even get some people to connect to her with her truth and her reality and her lived experience. And there's that scene where Letha as our, as our cinematic final girl, right? She tries to have that like perfect after school moment where she's like, you know, I read between the lines and I see what's really happening. And I, and I hadn't read between the lines. So I was like, oh, oh, neither had I. And then, you know, they all march with a sense of, of justice to to the dollar store to confront Jade's mom. And Jade's mom doesn't tell the truth. And they're like, well, OK, I still believe if, that this happened, but I, <laughs> I guess there's nothing to do. And so. Every moment in Jade's life until until that final act defies what cinema has taught us is the the neat way that things go, right? You see a problem, you confront the problem, you solve the problem. And that's that's not Jade's world. And so of course she's she's screaming into the void. And taking her narrative and p- framing it against this this Terra Nova story was very, very interesting, very timely because we have all these very wealthy people like, uh, you know, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos that are like, but what if we didn't go to Earth anymore? What if we just left Earth behind? And it felt very absurd in a way that only can be absurd because it's actually very realistic. I think it is. It's very, very realistic. And it's also done in a really interesting way that reduces it from just being so really like simplistic of just like rich bad poor good which is i guess at a to reveal my uh, political compass i that's closer to what i me personally i actually do believe 
But that's not exactly a super successful way to convince any minds or change anybody. And it's also not super realistic to everybody's lived experiences. And I really like that Letha and the Mondragons come from also a marginalized group. They are, they come from the black community and they had been, they had been able to build up this wealth and to be able to come and shelter themselves. And you're, you're kind of given the impression that even though they do ultimately do some really messed up things, her dad does, uh, that it's because it's out of a sense of trying to protect themselves because they too also are coming from this marginalized background that if they didn't have this, they would be just like Jade and their family on the chopping yes. block. And here's another example of, of a world in which there is not a clear sense of cause and effect. So I often think about the fact that, you know, when you are that wealthy, it is really hard to understand how the rest of the world works, right? Because you're like, I'll just buy it. Or, uh, you know, everyone actually is that interested in knowing what I had for breakfast because one million people have liked my post about my sausage muffin or whatever it might be. And and the, the people who are building Terra Nova, the idea that you can just come and say, we're going to make a whole new town we're going to come in and do kind of whatever we want. We're going to hire people to hold our spots for graduation at a really small town where probably no one needed to hold any spots. We're going to project the, you know, funeral sort of memorial of, of one of our fallen at your all's holiday event. Everything they do makes so much sense to them because, again, they don't live in a world of, of these rules that the rest of us mere mortals have been taught we have to abide by. So there's so much about this, this book that is asking us, how, how do we craft our sense of, of what should be done? And I think it's also interesting because you can also see the inevitability of their argument as well, because what they will do is create some kind of change in that community. And it is going to, with the new influx of money, create a different kind of maybe more prosperous community but it's going to be at the expense of killing and pushing out the people who are already there and who had been living here for so long i mean it's clearly a thoughtful meditation on the history of the, the story of america and what has time and time again happened to indigenous people when they live here they are like we are here this is our home and then other people are like oh yes i see that you are suffering let me come in and let me give you improvements and let me change your world because i know what is best me an outsider coming into your community you're so correct that that graham jones does not let us build this very clear black and white binary because on the one hand, yes, they're they're doing all these things that are sort of reprehensible, certainly once we get to the killings, but they're also like, we're going to preserve uh -huh. this forest. And they're actually going into the town and, and putting money into the town and participating in things. And, and you know, they they make sure that Letha graduates there. They've established that scholarship fund. And, and the part of me that will never not have student debt really felt for Jade when she was like, too bad I didn't finish another year later because then I could have had a scholarship. But there's there's so many things that they're doing that are, are not bad and maybe even good, but it's so hard to frame everything. And so again, in Jade's world and, and in our real world, right, there just aren't mm -hmm. clear rules that you can follow. We don't have a Randy from Scream who can be like, do these four things and you'll live and nothing bad will happen to you. It's like, Bad things are going to happen. And this novel does basically have Randy from Scream. I mean, Jade, that is like Jade, Jade and Randy would probably get along swimmingly. The horror conversations that they would have. They should have a podcast. Uh, Jade and Randy. Except <laughs> it would be a little intense, <laughs> like a little ranty intense. But yes, it, it would be it would be a little intense. But I think I would probably still be intrigued to just hear the hear the thoughts that the, those two could <laughs> those two could have but but this town does have a randy and it doesn't matter because often the rand that randy that person who knows what's going on doesn't have the power to do yes. anything about it. it doesn't matter that they know what's going on that doesn't matter one of the nice things about taking the randy character from scream who who's a white male even if a geek right so that's his like marginalized element and making it into an indigenous young female character is that Graham Jones was really able to to make 
Jade, not only that that Randy character, but also a Cassandra, right? From from Greek yes. mi- uh, mythology. Cassandra is also always one of those stories that I have irrational fears about. Like I have I have an irrational fear that I will someday decide to take up glass blowing and inhale molten glass. Not going to happen, but it is a fear I have. I have another fear that I will someday be a Cassandra, yeah. right? Which is that person cursed by the gods to always be able to tell the truth, but never to be able to be believed. And Jade, in her own life, like you said, as as someone that that we is is a survivor and no one is listening to her story and and not believing her for, before they do. Um, but also in terms of her, like by the way. The town's going to die. Just, I, I thought you might want to know. And everyone's like, shush, shush, little one. Or they're like, how do you know? And and then they, you know, are like, maybe it's because it's you. There's just, it was, again, yet another instance of creating a character in Jade that is heartbreaking because she's real, right? In that respect, she couldn't be more real if, if Graham Jones, you know, had like actually made her out of clay. Jade feels real and the world Jade lives in feels really refreshing and real. And it's because I think Jones does such a really brilliant job of like establishing this, the history of the town of Proofrock through, we get a lot of it through Jade's essays where she'll just mention casually some of the like horrific things that'll happen. We get it through the elevation of the, of Camp Blood and the incidents that happened there, this history that this town has with, uh, witches apparently and blaming their problems all on the women in the town and just a a multitude of other like little details that get revealed like uh, Mr. Holmes will say something or the sheriff will talk about the history like offhand little details here and there that just on their own they're like oh yeah I guess that's just one small detail about the town but because they're just so consistently coming all together it creates this really vibrant rich community that you feel really does have a history to it and what happens when someone comes in and is like, okay, great history, but now the future. I'm a big fan as a as a reader of really developed histories for our places. And, and you know, mm-hmm. people like Stephen King or um, H.P. Lovecraft have taken advantage of that where they actually like, they have Derry, Maine, right? And you're like, how much more could happen in Derry? And I, I love that. I love that idea of, of taking a place and imbuing it with all of this rich history and having it be at the center of your sort of writings. I like it when authors do that. What's interesting about Graham Jones's Proof Rock is so first there, there's the fact that this is the first book, but the world is so rich. But also mm-hmm. what you said was really interesting because you're so correct that that he's giving us all these things that we're like, this is so realistic. This is so authentic in terms of world building, but it's also so fantastical. And I think that's one of the things that's really fascinating about my heart as a chainsaw is that it is giving us something that, that couldn't feel more authentic in terms of, of what it means to be a survivor, what it means to be trapped in, in real world horror with a town <laughs> that is like, ah, witches, we did have those. A camp that, you know, had some horrible slaughters. Yep, we've had that too. Um, And so I like this fact that Graham Jones is taking the fantastical elements of, of horror that in horror properties, people are like, but of course there's been a creepy killer in the woods. Why wouldn't there be? And sort of fusing that into just very realistic situations in a way that, that sometimes I think creates some tension, maybe particularly in, in some of the conclu- ways that the film, I'm sorry, that the novel concludes. But I l- thought he did a really intriguing thing by by forcing us to, to see this world as both fantastical, but also very true. And I feel that that's just even more, that's even more truthful to how life exists feels even it's there are these like weird fantastical elements that you can't quite explain that you have to interact with on an everyday basis um and just because they sound absurd and crazy doesn't make them any less true or traumatizing for the people who sometimes have to experience it we put it into a very specific format in our our horror that feels ridiculous and over the top a a camp killer but Mm -hmm. really is it is it any different than school shootings in terms of how ridiculous it is? I was about to say, it's just, it's because, and I think it, that is only, it only maybe feels ridiculous and exaggerated in horrors as maybe a coping mechanism because we are, as a 
world, because of the uh, the news age that we live in, we are exposed to more and more real life horrors every single day than any other generation in the history of us. We are on such a daily basis encountered with so many horrific and traumatizing situations and so much more information about that than ever before that it's, yeah, you're like, oh, of course it makes sense that this town also has that because anywhere you look has horrific and traumatizing things that have happened. That is, that is just what it is to be human, it seems like. That is kind of like what Stephen Graham Jones is ultimately kind of coming through. And that traumas don't make you any, it doesn't make you stronger necessarily, but it just is a part of existing and learning how to exist in this world. Graham Jones plays with this idea a lot, I think, about about the power and and potential of horror. So what's interesting is that for Jade, it's successful to a degree, right? It's not successful completely, but it's successful to a degree in, in helping her to to understand her world, to, to frame things. And you've read this article more recently than I have, but, but Stephen Graham Jones talks a, kind of about this in a, in a New York Times article. Uh, he, he talks about it. It's like this idea of he's like, you're anxious and scared. I am too. And I have found like kind of my answer in how to understand these problems and the things that are going on in the world through the context of a horror lens, like using that horror lens and it, it's, I think it is evolve. It's a type of coping mechanism for sure. That's a, that's at least how it's explicitly used by Jade, understanding this world through this horror context. And Jones doesn't seem to, he, in this article, he's like, it can be more than just a simple coping mechanism. It can actually just be a really powerful way to begin to understand and unpack the major issues of our world that if you just try to talk about them with other people without using the context of horror, it might be a little bit more difficult to get through to them. And so using these horror stories to showcase the problems of our world is a really powerful thing. And like, in fact, and he mentions that it doesn't have the power to necessarily stop any of these issues. Like in the article, he talks about Get Out. He's like, Get Out has not ended uh, black people dying at the hands of police officers or other people in power. They still, they that still happens and is still happening at an alarming rate in this country and around the world. But it does for two hours kind of get us closer to understanding the root of the problem. And it gets us of the, and he's like, there's no safety in like the lib white liberal facade. That is just like, that's all, that too is a lie that we tell ourselves. Um, and so it doesn't do it. It doesn't actually solve the problem, but it gets us closer to what the problems actually are. There's an article that came out in 2021 in a journal called Personality and Individual Differences, and the authors are Scrivener, Johnson, Kildegard, Christensen, and Clausen, and they wrote this piece that's called "Pandemic Practice: Horror Fans and the Morbidly Curious Individuals." are more psychologically resilient during the COVID-19 pandemic. And their argument is, is that they, you know, looked at, they did a study in, of people that are morbidly curious, which they defined as people that, you know, in, enjoy engaging with the horror genre and, and people that aren't. And they, they were able to prove with their data set that there was something about knowing the rules, knowing how things go, knowing what the potential uh, that is, as evident in horror that made these people feel like they were more emotionally prepared for for this global pandemic in part because they'd spent so much time dwelling in global pandemics and i i think that's really interesting and and there's been several like anecdotal stories to that effect too but but this is like you know they actually engaged in in, in a study and this is what graham jones is talking about right Jade is and always will be a little broken, but she has found healing in these narratives that allow her to to watch other people be broken. And yes, there's something profoundly sort of messed up about that. I say as I, you know, it will do that again and again as a horror fan myself. But there's also something profoundly comforting in, in knowing that that I'm not alone, right? That that this is, is something to to think about and see, and when we get that really in, intriguing ways in this in this novel. This idea is not super common within our world. Like to dwell on the horrors and the traumas is not something that's super encouraged. You're supposed to mourn in in a way. 
don't make your problems other people's problems. Yeah, there may be horrors and things going on, but be quiet about that because we've got to do other things. Not just your your trauma, but also your passions, right? Like, keep right, like right. I want to hear about this for maybe a couple minutes, but like I don't want to hear about how you want to save the world. I'm tired of that. You know, like could you maybe talk about something else for a little bit? Right? We're so we're so scared of of the things that create strong emotions, and we're so very puritanical in that response. And and I know that's why I was like Jade, please stop talking about horror books and movies i'm i'm embarrassed on your behalf i know that's where that response came from right it's because i've been conditioned right. to to act that way but horror is the opposite of that horror is like right. it's all emotions all the time and there is there is real strength in being aware of everything that could possibly happen because i think a lot of how we get through and one of the scary parts about i think one, I mean, there's many scary parts about the pandemic and the rise in school shootings and all these things that are happening is the normalization that comes around these traumatic events and these horrific things that happen. And people are just expected to go on without acknowledging and unpacking these things. And a horror says, eh, no, that's not that's not healthy for anyone to just pretend that the horrors of the world don't exist, to just stick your head in the sand. That is only going to get you killed. And the only character that's a quote allowed to do that is the traditionally been the final girl. Right. Which right. is where, you know, franchises like Scream have begun to play with things because they're like, but wouldn't Sydney be just a little bit scarred? And of course, you know, um, Graham Jones is saying, but what if we have someone that's already scarred? You know, it's not going to get better. It's just going to get different. I will say that the the book was not flawless for me. I, I think, interestingly enough, I think this is a book that makes more sense to me and I appreciate things that I didn't like as a reader thinking about it in its entirety sort of after the fact. So one of the problems that I had in the midst of reading was I wasn't sure if I was behind the it's all of the above, right? Like who's what uh -huh. is the situation happening? Is it a uh, Graves, the 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 lake witch? Is it B the preacher from Drowntown, is it C, a grizzly? Is it D, Theo? And then like E was like, no, it's all of the above. Uh, I, I wasn't sure I liked that in the moment because I, I wanted more setup for that. But in, in sort of retrospect, Graham Jones was denying me as the reader the easy answers of the slasher film, right? Like I wanted there to be a clear cut thing and then there wasn't and it was utter chaos. And, and maybe that's the the thing I needed, but as a reader, it wasn't the thing I wanted. And so, so I, I do struggle with that, even though I loved that scene on the lake where they're all watching Jaws. I thought that taking that, like, <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. so much that was so great about that, but I just, it was such chaos at the end. It was a, it was a bit much in the moment. I, I agree. The third act in particular gets a little bit hard to follow because of all of the strands that are connecting, which Again, it does make it really difficult as a reader to read, particularly because another one of the things that uh, was a little bit difficult about this book in particular is uh, Jones does have a bit of an elevated writing style that makes it a little bit difficult to always follow along. See, I don't have problems with his writing style. I've, I've talked to a couple other people who have read the book and a couple of other, other of them have mentioned just a little, it was a little bit tricky to get into some of the prose that Graham's right. Cause he's clearly so smart, but some, and sometimes I think that that translates to a little bit of a wonk. I don't know. He, I had a bit of trouble, me personally, following along, particularly not necessarily in any of the essay sections that Jade would do, but sometimes in like when passages would get a little bit longer and we were just following along in the story I, I could i would sometimes get a little bit lost because he's really packing a lot of ideas in here that i got overwhelmed at times and so i i would totally understand if other people and i've heard a couple other people like that uh one person actually in particular told me they had to put it down because they couldn't they just really couldn't get into it and i, I was like i told them i was like actually you should go pick it back up and maybe like continue reading it because i really it's really worth it but I, it is a book that I think you do have to put in maybe a little bit more work. It's certainly not one of those books where you forget that you're reading, right? So there's a, a lot of books that I that I read that like, it's just, you're not even paying attention to the words, right? You're not like, oh, that's a nice sentence or, or that was constructed well. You're just like, 
book done and and not in a bad way right like that's a real skill but you're you are right that that graham jones is not a writer that you can ever forget that you're reading and and that that does take a, a beat to to grow accustomed to especially because so much of this book is is internal sort of journeys of jade as opposed to a lot of of dialogue and things like that and i think i got lost sometimes in those thoughts because jade's thoughts are rushing so quickly uh throughout the, a lot of the novel that it, again it packs in so many different thoughts in sometimes just like a page that i would i did find myself having to maybe go back and reread it and i felt that that really ramped up the further into the third act we got the third act was i again i think i ultimately came to similar conclusions that you did and that I actually really ended up liking the ending. It makes sense that there would be these multiple sort, uh, these multiple things happening in this town all at once because of, situations are obviously so much more complicated than just being able to pin it on one one specific cause above all else, and that one cause caused all these effects. I love that. However, <laughs> in the actual reading of it, I was like trying to follow and just like rat. I was like, I felt like I was just like holding on for dear life in the third act as I was trying to like stay follow everything. I think one of the hardest things to do with horror fiction and that is is that at some point if it's going to be a slasher e type thing we're going to expect there to be some action and and it's hard to sustain action in in fiction because you don't have jump scares and musical cues and things like that to rely on and so we talked about this with with Grady Hendrix and the Final Girl Support Group having a similar sort of thing where even though it was covering several pages, the and it's true for My Heart is a Chainsaw, that the last act is not short, but it doesn't feel long enough to develop some of the things. But if, it, if we took that time to get in Jade's head, it would also interrupt, like it wouldn't make sense, right? Like Jade's just trying to survive. She's not gonna be like, well, let's think about this philosophically, how it can be, you know, but like we kind of need that because we need to be reminded that Theo is killing because he's upset at the construction workers. Stacey Graves is killing because she's the Lake Witch. You know, Drown Town is still there. There is a trash bear, you know, <laughs> like we needed that kind of reminder and it was hard to, it's hard to do all of that and have it be action packed. Yeah, and Again, I think ultimately that has ended up just being like a minor little quibble for me. I because it's honestly, I thank I I'm thankful that Jones is forcing us to think and like be engaged, active readers with his text, and that he doesn't just simplify everything down and hold our hands throughout it and make sure to make sure that we all clearly understand what is right and wrong at the end of the day, and we clearly understand exactly what he was going for he leaves a little bit of room for you as an as a reader to kind of project your own situations your and ideas of the world on here and onto these characters and these situations and i like that i i think jones is created a really fantastic first novel here and this is going to be the first of a series it is i'm excited which i i'm also excited i am gonna i'm excited to read it i will be very, very excited to yes. talk to you about it when we do get we get to read it. And I think I think that's the magic of, of Graham Jones is that his books are so much more interesting once you are out of the experience and you've had some time to like think through everything that he's doing. And he talks about how in his acknowledgments mm -hmm. that he wasn't ready to write Jade's story for quite some time. In fact, it wasn't even going to be Jade's story for a while. And and it took him several other books to get there. But I think about Mapping the Interior, The Only Good Indians, and uh, My Heart is a Chainsaw, which are the three I've read. And I know you've read his Final Girl book as well. And I'm not sure I enjoyed in the moment the entire reading process because it hurt. It, it made me feel raw and uncomfortable and and I didn't always want to be there. But every book that I've I've read of his, after I put it down, I'm like, this, this was really, really good. And and, and what I was forced to go through. And, and now I've, I'm a survivor and I'm going to, like Jade, be like, hey, have you met our dear friend Stephen Graham Jones, who you should be reading? You know, like this is. Yeah. This is his effect, and, and what an incredible testament to just being a good writer that that's the effect that he leaves me with. 
yeah, it's certainly a very positive thing that this book lingers in the mind because there's no one major theme or no clear solutions that he provides from this novel because that's a luxury that our world doesn't give to Jade. It's a world, it's a luxury that our world doesn't give to any, anyone. And, and so it's only fitting that she, he should also deny the audience that too. Even if it does as an audience member make you, or a reader be like a little bit like, oh, I wanted my nice little bow at the end. But he's like, why do you want the bow? Is it so you can feel a little bit better about your situation? Maybe think about that. Thank you so much for joining us for our discussion of My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. We will, uh, Tony more or less promised it, eventually be talking about another Graham Jones book because there will be a sequel and that will be exciting. What do they need to do for us in the meantime? Well, you can feel free to get in contact with us either through our email or our social medias, which are listed in the description of this podcast. We'd love to hear from you, what you want to see, what you what you liked about this. Have you read any Stephen Graham Jones yourself? Have you read this book? What did you think? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And please consider uh, wherever you get your podcasts from, giving us a rating on there. Uh, any little bit just helps us get our exposure out there and helps us connect with more people in the horror community. And hopefully, turn some more people into horror fanatics. Yay. Yeah, I'm always really bad myself about giving ratings, so I I feel bad asking. But yes, it would be delightful if you would just take a moment, pause this right now, and go give us a rating, and then come back so you can listen to what we're doing next. So, what are we doing next? We are going to Scream (laughs) 2. Scream 2. We're going to Scream 2, Scream 2. We're doing Scream 2, 1997. The sequel to the original Scream. Excellent. I can't wait for you to see that, Tony, because you haven't seen it yet, and that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, it'll be my first And I can't wait to have that conversation with you. In the meantime, to all of you listening, thank you so much for listening to our nightmares. And have a spooktacular day.